0: You are listening to the Backstage Pass Podcast, hosted by Hannah Trigwell and brought to you by Toman.
1: Hello, Will Dewsbury. We've known each other for a number of years, and to give a quick introduction to the viewers and the listeners of Backstage Pass Podcast, you are, as I best know you, a session musician, touring musician, and more recently, a scientist, but we'll get into that a bit later on. Um, Give me your version of who you are.
0: So actually, currently, I'm a physiotherapy student at the University of Bradford, the wonderful physio department there. Um, But I've also been for the last years, as you say, um, a musician in various capacities. So live work, studio work, and that's how we met initially in terms of the session side of things. But also um, some teaching as well. So the classic sort of portfolio career of doing lots of things to make ends meet, so to speak. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the teaching, the session work, um, and the uh, the ever, uh, how would you describe it? Interesting and wonderful world of the um, function scene, let's say. Ah, uh, yes. So big, varied, um, I suppose, plethora, if we're allowed to mm. those big words, um, of, of things um, over the years. Yeah. And basically what's happened recently is I've had this opportunity um, as part of my studies to try and address an interesting question, which is can music be a form of physiotherapy? And so all these things have kind of converged over a period of time. and yeah, it's really exciting and I'm really enjoying where I am with it all at the moment. Well, I mean, I find it interesting. I find it interesting. Um, we'll see. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, we'll I,
0: see if everybody else... Is. I don't know much about it,
1: but I do find it interesting. But if we go back to when you first started being a session player, yeah, how did you yeah. get into that?
0: I was at least College of Music um, and at the time I was involved in a lot of different bands, um, recording in a lot of different places. Um, and actually, we first met, exactly through that sort of um intermingling of circles yeah. um, and so really it was a it was sort of fortune that I happened to um be in those sort of circles and, and got those first jobs with you and then from there when you're touring and when you're around you meet other people mm. you meet different artists um, and fr- from that sort of point of view you then um take on additional work and um, so that was a really good sort of um intro that I had into uh doing that sort of thing for for a living for a career yeah Uh, and actually um most of that for me at least was as I say fortune and I've had this sort of I suppose you could call it a bad habit or personality trait of being quite passive generally (laughs) and I I don't necessarily seek opportunities perhaps in the the way that would be a really good sort of idea for people to do and so I was just just very lucky baby, basically to be able to um make those contacts initially I think um, and so,
1: being a very skilled player, you you almost didn't need to try as hard to seek the opportunities because I think you were quite in demand. I know you're a very humble person, but you
0: <laughs> will, <laughs> you is, a, you <laughs> <yeah>. will <laughs> is a yeah. Will is a very
1: <laughs> will is a very skilled guitarist, and I remember because I was looking for a guitarist, wasn't I? This is years ago. Yeah, this is like this ten, a long time ago. Is it like 10 years ago?
0: It's probably, if yeah, around that, around that sort of figure, between eight to 10 years, I'd say. And I was working
1: with a, yeah. a producer and, and I said, do you know any guitarists? And he said, there is this one guitarist, but he's really busy. He's in loads of different bands. Um, so I was under the impression that you wouldn't be able to do it, but you were like, yeah, let's just do it. Yeah. and then and then I remember meeting you and being like so how many things have you got going on trying to see if you had capacity to do and do like some session stuff for me and like touring um and you were like well I'm in I'm in these like four function bands and I'm, I'm doing these like three other projects and then I've got this other project and I was like wow like to sit to, as someone who's passive and not looking for opportunity it was you were very busy very busy guy
0: well, that that is true. I think, and a lot of that was being in the right environment. I think. Yeah. So, like you say, like skills are an interesting thing. So, I always think that skill is a necessary thing, but it's not always sufficient. Yeah. But if you have a certain amount of skill and you're in the right environment, mm-hmm. and these things tend to be additive. And when you st- you're, in, you're in one band. Someone knows somebody else. You end up in another band. Yeah. And before long, it it appears and actually is the case that you that you're really busy. Um and yeah I, I remember being very very tired that time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I think I'd bitten off a little bit more um than I could chew yeah, at I the time so. and sort of gradually prune that down to you know the, the the sort of priority projects I suppose we did a lot of stuff in terms of um some early videos in terms of the YouTube type stuff that you did initially some of the versions and eventually moving in through to some of the original material had a really great time sort of working on that alongside you and then um obviously um, come on yes obviously obviously (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah and then and then through that um we both met actually a really nice guy called Nick Howard who um, was was touring um with us on on several tours both here and and over in in Europe as well he was the winner of Um, the
1: voice in Germany wasn't he
0: yeah yeah um really lovely guy Mm. really really positive attitude really you know Actually, really, I know it sounds really cheesy, but quite an inspiring.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what I mean? Quite an
0: inspiring human being, and um, and obviously very good at what he did. And then I had the opportunity then to go on a few um, sort of adventures around Europe with Nick, doing some touring there. Yeah. And that was mostly live work. Um, We actually did a a live album for that. Um, I forget what it's called, but it's it's really good worth (laughs) checking (laughs) out. And um, so yeah, so and then from there, I sort of basically really just stayed with with you guys as a. I don't know how you'd define it really is not really a permanent fixture as such, but like a, an ongoing session role, if that makes sense. Mm. Rather than um doing a lot of different things with a lot of different people. Yeah. Um it was it was fairly focused at that stage. Um and yeah, so and obviously we met well, I met Ben, um I think you've had on the the show previously. Yes. Um, so
1: Ben Metravers, uh, the producer, yeah.
0: Yeah, and um and so I ended up doing some stuff within uh, the studio his studio yeah him. And that's most of the studio work that I've done so most of the things I've done session wise have been live based mm. and so it it was really good to get some some experience within a, a studio setting as well what do you prefer um, because I'm a perfectionist and I really struggle with letting things go so in the studio you're under the microscope mm. and you notice every little tiny thing that perhaps other people won't notice yeah. perhaps they will and I just cannot let that go. I know rationally that I should. <laughs> yeah. But I just can't. Yeah. And so I love, I love the end, end result, the end products of, of studio work. Um, but I have to say, live work, there's something, there's something to the energy of the, the audience and, mm. and the, the fact that it's, it's there and then it's gone and it's done. Yeah.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah. And
0: there's something about that. that I think I, that you get really, more
1: closure like. almost, don't you, sometimes from that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Unless you do a live album. In which case, <laughs> you actually can hear it back for all time.
1: <laughs> yeah, and for the studio stuff and the live stuff, I've seen you use the same um, kind of kit setup a few times.
0: Yeah, yeah,
1: it was kind of like a, a suddenly a new interest of mainly yours, but I was just looking at your kit, going, "What is that? <laughs> That's like a game changer." Yeah. But so we, I think you had a a huge pedal board at one time. Yeah. Um yeah. I think with me you you took a very condensed version of that pedal board around Europe, but the the thing that you graduated or like upgraded to was incredible. So, tell us
0: about that. Yeah, so yeah, I did have a a gigantic pedal board and maybe used about 3 of those pedals as every <laughs> guitarist knows, you probably go through that phase at some point. Um and basically I transitioned away from that and towards um, a unit called the Axe effects, which at the time I think was, I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was fairly fairly new. Yeah, uh, it was. And basically, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and and basically it, it allowed a lot of flexibility in, in terms of being able to create sounds, store sounds and um, I would say have them at your fingertips, So it's not really at your fingertips the the tips of your toes, I suppose <laughs> when you're uh, tapping on the pedals. And, um, and yeah, and you could create some really, really interesting sounds. And The quality of those sounds was such that you really, in a live setting especially, it was really tough to tell the difference and it Mm -hmm. removed some of the variability in terms of, um, because at one stage, I forget the amp I had, I think it was a a Mesa Stiletto, which was great when you had the settings, just perfect, but it seemed to be like really variable in in different venues and Mm -hmm. this this unit really got rid of all that and it was just, it's going to be the same every single time and it's going to sound great Um, and usually it did. Yeah. So yeah, and then I've I've never really looked back with it, and also it's a lot smaller and easy to carry around. Yeah. So from a laziness point of view, that's also <laughs> yeah. a good thing.
1: I mean, it's a heavy it's a heavy piece of kit, but yeah, you can you can literally just put it down, turn it on. It, it takes yeah. an XLR at the back, doesn't it?
0: A left out or or a stereo out, and you can mm-hmm. do all kinds of interesting delay type effects with with different channels although that was mainly for the bedroom and <laughs> the bedroom studio not really for last show.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah because we yeah, yeah. we used to mess about with like individual pedals I, I know you can create like crazy sounds with individual pedals and stuff and and you know oh it sounds like a violin but this the axe effects was like that's a violin it's just yeah, insane yeah. isn't it the capabilities of that yeah um I don't know what you'd call it, hardware.
0: In terms of the actual timbre of it, it was yeah, it was it was really um, realistic and, and really nice sounding.
1: Are there any other pieces of kit that are like your couldn't live without?
0: Yeah, so um, the guitar collection basically. So really nice um, Les Paul that I have, um, Telecaster as well, and a Strat. So I basically bought the at the time when I was investing in this gear. A bit of a spectrum in terms of different sounds, mm. depending on what people were, were after, um, and so I, I sort of got the, the classic classic models and, and then had some weird and wonderful um, modifications on pickups, coil taps, that sort of thing. Yeah And because of that transition away from a, a big pedal board towards a, a single unit, um, it really became quite simple. So just having a really nice guitar and a really nice unit was basically all that I needed. Mm. So it just simplified things down and, and sort of allowed me to focus a little bit more on what I was actually doing in the song. Yeah. Rather than, oh, l- listen to this really cool <laughs> delay that you play a note and it lasts for 10,000 years, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know?
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: So yeah, those would be, I'd say, the sort of top pieces of kit for me anyway.
1: Yeah. Do you have any other tips for people who want to be session musicians aside from like being in the right circles?
0: Should we do a top three? Yeah, yeah. We, let's do a top Top three. three. Right, I've got to think through things. No, so the the first one I would say is being um, proactive with generating leads and generating jobs. Uh, so actually, yes, I know I mentioned about being in the right environment, but actually trying to put yourself in the environment if you're not in it, mm. or maximise on actually speaking to people and networking if you already happen to be in that. And then the second one relates to that. So. I would see that as a kind of binary pass-fail. Did I get the job or did I not get the job? Mm -hmm. I got it, great. I didn't, bad. If I'd looked at it a little bit more developmentally, I think I'd have had a bit more success with it. So, for example, I would play hours and hours of guitar every single day. And if I couldn't do something, that was fine. That was okay because I knew that in a period of weeks I would develop the skill set or months, depending on what it was, and I'd get there. I think having that sort of attitude and outlook towards actually generating work and generating jobs is, it would be a healthy thing to do. Yeah. So you're not only are you saying, did I get the job or did I not get the job? You're evaluating and reflecting, how well did that go? What things could I improve on? Mm-hmm. And so you're getting better at the skill of networking, and the skill of um, lead generation. Right. So that would be sort of one and two, um, which is kind of one, but I'm going to call it one and two because I don't have to think of one more. Um, the third <laughs> one, would be looking after your general health okay so you've got to be in the game for a a long period of time to have Mm. success okay and there's a there's a little acronym or little mnemonic you can think of which is SNAPS and SNAPS stands for sleep nutrition alcohol intake physical activity um, stress and smoking and you could put these on a bit of a scale okay or a bit of a a seesaw and some of these factors are going to lead to improved recovery and some of them are going to lead to um, decreased recovery Mm. whatever it is that you're doing whether that's practice um physical training whatever that always has to pass through the gate of recovery so if you don't have those factors in check whatever you're doing is going to be less optimal than it could be yeah so i think to sum it up be proactive see that as a developmental thing and take care of your general health to maximize those two i would say if i had to sort of. Be brief about it, yeah. uh, which I'm not very good at doing. That would be <laughs> that would be my sort of top three tips. Let's say
1: it's really hard to follow the sleep and the nutrition part of that while you're on tour, isn't it?
0: Definitely, it's about a recognizing that mm. and b thinking that just because you can't optimize, it doesn't it doesn't mean you don't can't do anything about it. Yeah, so you could always do better, even if it's not perfect. So yeah, you're not going to get eight hours of quality sleep and you know no blue light after a certain time yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But you can still try and be as regular as possible. Yeah. You can try and minimise that late night scroll through after the show to see, you know, what's going what on. People have been saying. Yeah. Um, because that again, it's not just the the interface of the phone; it's also the the thought process of, uh, you know, what has this person thought? Yeah, because you
1: can't change said? that after the fact. It's not exactly, going to matter exactly. what time you look at that, so you might as well look at it in the morning. <laughs> yeah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. And, and these things are like. They all make logical sense, mm. but they're difficult to do a lot of the time. Yeah. And and to be honest, if the goal is the best show that you can possibly deliver, mm. if that is honestly the goal, then everything that contributes to that should be a priority on tour, really. Yeah. And this is why I say it's a bit hypocritical because I certainly didn't do that <laughs> in large parts of my career. <laughs> but, you know, if, if that's the goal, then everything yeah. that can support that is is going to be a good thing to pursue.
1: So let's talk about the science part of it. Um. Okay. I'm not really sure where to start with this, because this is not my speciality, even though I'm very interested in yeah. it. So okay. could you explain how you went from music to physio?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like a bit of a big, big jump. So so as I mentioned, I was doing this sort of portfolio career mm-hmm. with lots of different hats on. And you're still doing a lot of that...
1: session work for me as well, yeah. aren't you? <laughs> so yeah, exactly. Like... So
0: I, I'm. it's still like, it's still going on. Yeah. But it, obviously, the, the the balance of things has, has shifted a little bit now. Yeah. Whereas at one point it was 100 percent music all day, all night. Well, not all night, but you, you get that well, before. it was you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, sometimes yeah. it was. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So whereas now it, it's definitely um, shifted, and the, there are a few more different hats that I mm. that I wear. And and one of those over the course of years was um, I ended up doing a personal training uh, qualification, and I've always been interested in um, in martial arts and physical conditioning and. Um, and so it it seemed like a bit of a natural, um, transition because I was doing a bit of teaching at the time as well. Yeah. And so teaching plus the martial arts, plus the physical conditioning side of things, put that together, um, and you're moving more towards a, almost like a sort of therapeutic, um, paradigm really. And and so I got interested in in physio. So, yeah, so I I can explain if you'd like a little bit about the project. Yeah,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, so, so it's
1: music as physio.
0: Yeah, so the, basically the question that we're looking to answer is, can music be a form of physiotherapy? Just by listening. And it's a, so this is where the definitions are going to come in. So okay. there's basically broadly two pathways. So there's music as what's called adjunctive therapy. So an, an adjunctive therapy is something that you would add to the mainstay of whatever it is you're doing. So let's say you're doing an exercise programme. Traditionally in physio, you might also do some ice, you might also do some heat. The ice and the heat, although there's questions about how effective those things are, are adjunctive to the exercise. So music can function like that. Yeah. So music listening could potentially be part of that. And then the other side of it is music as direct therapy. So that exercise regime we just talked about, the, a music, um, sort of a, a therapy constructed from musical means could replace either part or all of that in, uh, intervention. So By way of example, if you have an individual with low back pain, the exercise regime could be partially replaced by placing drums at different heights and having them hit the drums in order to externally cue and create the movement that you're after um, that you've decided is going to be beneficial for that particular individual. And so that's a direct therapy. So we have these two sort of broad streams. Um, And so the interesting thing about it all is it sits into this nice little schema um, where we have, so if you imagine like a triangle, and we have a, a task, so whatever that happens to be that someone's trying to achieve, uh, which takes place in an environment and it's carried out by an individual. So the environment can have a, a large effect on your motor output, so the way that your muscles and nerves work, mm. for example. Uh, you know this, if you've ever like walked or run on sand, there's a reflexive change in how you actually um, yeah. move and how you operate. So, so music as adjunct fits quite nicely into that. So it's a part of the sound environment, you could say. Okay. So the sound environment can affect it that way. And then music as direct therapy feeds into the task components of that. And then, sorry to bore you, but the very last thing, in
1: terms it's of not-
0: having a bit of a...
1: <laughs> it's not boring. <laughs> I know, i have
0: just chatted, and chatted. and chatting. chatting, chatting <laughs> no, it's so good. please feel free no, to stop. No, it's good. Come on. Um, and then the other thing to take into consideration is that music can be full pieces of music or it can be musical elements specifically that you're using, so things like rhythmicity, um, amplitude, even just qualities oh, okay. of sound, so yeah, frequency, amplitude, timbre, envelope, all these things mm-hmm. can be used to produce um, different effects, mainly within the brain and the neurological system, yeah. um, which can then sort of change how a person moves or um, can potentially help in their rehabilitation. So that's a sort of potted overview of oh, okay. over some of the direct directions that we're taking with it.
1: Right. I mean, this it sounds like something that, could really have a lot of applications.
0: Yeah, well, and if you look at the literature, a lot of it already has been um, studied in specific populations. Okay. Um, so there's a there's a, a modality called uh, neurologic music therapy, and some of these things have been used, for example, in um, a Parkinson's patient cohort, um, where some of these patients have difficulty um, with rhythmicity, with their walking gait, yeah. stride length, things like that. And when you add external pacing to that, so like a metronome or even potentially a piece of music, you can actually do things over time like um, improve their their gait parameters. And this has been looked wow. at um, already. So, um, and there's variance in the literature, obviously, yeah. as there always is with these things. So our, our sort of task or my task is to try and draw this together into a bit of a, an overarching theory as to, in the different areas of physio, how, how we could apply um, music and elements of music and so yeah i find it quite interesting exciting yeah. and um we're looking forward to to see where seeing um seeing where it goes actually
1: it's hard isn't it because music's so subjective so i guess if you play one yeah, kind of music yeah. that you think would be relaxing to someone it might not be it might not someone evoke else, that yeah. in someone yeah
0: That's why I suppose why some of those musical elements are quite useful because they tend to be a bit more universal. So rhythmicity, something like that, you know, tempo, those kind of things. Although even then there's some differences socioculturally in terms of beat perception as well. So it's kind of, yeah, there will be some variation and that produces some really weird and wonderful findings Mm. about, you know, listening to certain pieces of music affecting, you know, the immune system in a certain way. And it's like, it's really different. The hard thing about that is if, you know, if it's a single study... It's really difficult to to sort of um, pay a lot of attention or take those results really seriously, even though they did occur. Yeah, because like you say, it could be partly based on preference of of listener, or almost all based on preference of listener. Is, yeah, true. And it's going it's going well. I think I think the difficulty be will be trying to actually come down on a def- definite conclusion, right? Because um, the conclusion might well be there's not enough evidence. Which is always a okay. disappointing conclusion uh, <laughs> 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 yeah. if you're biased towards a subject like me, which you shouldn't be, by the <laughs> way. As if you're <laughs> yeah. researching, um, so yeah, so it's it's trying to extract all the different information from the from basically as many papers as possible and synthesise that.
1: I, I suppose if you don't get the answer that you want, you can always. Go and play yourself a sad song on guitar to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's true. <laughs> to, to wallow. See, it's in. true. I'm even more sad now. <laughs>
1: yeah. What is your track of the week?
0: Mm, I'm, I'm really liking, um, generally not a particular track, but um, Olafur Arnells, if you've heard of that, uh, Olafur Arnells. He's an Icelandic composer.
1: No, I haven't um, actually.
0: And um, lots of really beautiful sort of classical... Um, Almost like ambient landscape type pieces, and I, and I say I don't have a particular track because I sort of have it on yeah <laughs> almost continuously when I'm when I'm reading. So that would definitely be a, a recommendation if you haven't heard of. Um, I'm probably saying his name wrong. Um, so yeah, Olafur or, or Olafur Arnells. Olafur Arnells.
1: okay artist. Hmm. I
0: would say of the week of the track. So yeah, check check that out. Really good stuff.
1: Um, nice. What is the best lesson that you've learned in your career so far?
0: I would say the best lesson that I've learned is always be personable, always make good relationships. I would say it's probably the best lesson that I've learned, which is that, and that will take you a long way, assuming that you're good enough to be there in the first place, Mm. you know, from a skills point of view. So yeah, I would say really work on developing your relationships with people.
1: I remember in in the van. The I say the van because there's one very memorable van that we were that we toured around Europe in. The seats folded down, didn't they, into a, into a bed and there was like a yeah, wasn't there yeah. a hob in there and a sink? And-
0: yeah, I think it was meant to be self-sufficient, but this is going back a long time now, so I don't remember yeah. exactly.
1: I remember one time um my former manager just looking back at us sat in the back and and she just was raging because I mean this this is going back like eight or nine years now, I think yeah, um yeah. and we we were just so tired and done that we'd <laughs> folded the chairs down into the bed <laughs> yeah. and decided that that we were going to have a sleep, which is yeah. so, which was so illegal, obviously because the van was driving along, and i just I just remember yeah. being asleep and waking up to her going, Why are you two doing <laughs> <laughs> I remember having a discussion with you in that van about um, trying to bring yourself out of a mood. Do you remember this?
0: I do, yeah. I don't remember exactly what the context was, but I remember we had that conversation.
1: I think we'd both, we'd been on this tour for a while and we were both, there was no reason why, but we were both just a bit um, moody on that day yeah
0: yeah
1: and and i i remember just like you were being really moody and i was really moody and we just (laughs) i remember it's just like we were talking about something and then i was just like we're really moody aren't we we need to how do we stop being moody today so that we can enjoy we just do you know what it is it's probably we'd not been eating the right stuff or had enough sleep
0: Yeah but uh, snaps um, factors mm.
1: yeah but, but i remember us was really breaking it down how we could stop being moody because we were about to arrive at the venue see the sound people you know yeah, um, yeah. meet up with i think we were touring with Boyce avenue at the time again meet up with yeah, them way, yeah. and we didn't want to be these moody <laughs> people <laughs>
0: hello how you doing yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: around <laughs> them um yeah. And you know, just like having the insight to 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 take a step back and be like I I am feeling a certain way, but if I if I give out this energy to the people that I'm about to spend time with, it's not going to be good for anyone. I definitely agree, you know, be personable, but you have to actively try and
0: yeah,
1: be yeah. a nice person when <laughs> when you're in a situation yeah. that just makes you want to go to sleep
0: yeah definitely yeah I would say that's a good addition to that isn't it because nobody is happy and you know completely content all the time yeah. and there'll be occasions where you are called upon to um it's not really faking it per se but it no is, it's it's to an extent you know, what, you know what I mean though it's yeah. you have to be professional in those situations and sometimes being professional means being personable yeah
1: absolutely it? So, yeah and if you, you know a couple of seconds of faking it and you're not faking it anymore because that's just
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. What, what you're doing, what you're in.
0: Yeah, 100% agreed. Yeah. Agreed, agreed.
1: Well, thanks so much for speaking to me today. It's really interesting to hear about your research into music as physio. And and I am going to Google it later to really get my head around what's, what's going on. Um, but yeah, really nice to talk to you and I hope you have a great day.
0: Yeah, thanks so much for having me on.
1: Thanks for tuning into this episode. Be sure to hit subscribe and leave a comment to let us know what you think. And I will see you next time on Backstage Pass.